Well, over the last few weeks, we've been in a series titled How to Live on Purpose. And our heart is as followers of Jesus that we live our life with intention, that we intentionally and on purpose make decisions in our life for Christ. So last week, or sorry, the start of this series, we looked at how to live on purpose when it comes to God's overall plan. We then looked at how to live on purpose in our relationships, in our finances, in our work life. And today we'll be wrapping up the series by focusing on how to live on purpose when it comes to our well-being. The definition of the word well-being, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is the state of being healthy, happy and prosperous, physical, psychological and moral welfare. Psalm 35 verse 27 says, The Lord be exalted who delights in the well-being of His servants. Other translations say He delights in the blessing, the welfare, the prosperity of His servants. I believe that it is God's intention that every single one of us, not just some of us, but every single one of us is to live in a state of well-being. When the Apostle John was praying for the church community, he said this, I pray that you may go, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. You see, in order for us to understand this concept of well-being, we must first understand the framework of our being and how God has designed us to function. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23, Paul says, May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Each one of us, each one of us you and I have been created as tripart beings. We have a spirit, we have a soul and we have a body. When we become a Christian, it is our spirit that is made alive in Christ. This is where the Holy Spirit chooses to dwell. It is in this realm of our being that the Holy Spirit resides when we put our faith in Jesus. We then have a soul which is made up of our mind, our will, our emotions. In the original language of this text, the word soul is translated psyche. It's where we get the term psychology from. Our soul is our personality and it is the realm in which all the decisions are made. We then, of course, have our body, which is the physical realm of our being. So to illustrate this point, oh, there we go. I did this on Canva. I'm not an amazing graphic designer, but I thought, you know what? I will attempt if you don't know what Canva Canva is it's a graphic design app on our phone. But anyway, so as you can see, we've got spirit, soul and body. And so the body is the outside arena. It is the natural part of our being. We can feel it. It's where our five senses operate. We then have the soul, which is in the middle of the body and spirit. Although the soul doesn't operate out of all five senses, you know it's there because we can feel it. We feel happy and we feel sad. Whereas our spirit is not so easy to identify because it is in the spiritual realm and it can't be accessed in a natural way. As a Christian, one thing we need to know about our spirit is that it is perfect. At the point of salvation, our spirit was completely transformed. That's why when the Bible refers to us as a new creation in present tense, it's referring to our spirit, whereas our soul and our body are still in a process of transformation. They are secured. They, are, they have the promise of redemption, but they are still in the process of being completed and to be perfect. And so as we can see from this image, the way God has created our being to function is that what, oh, it's gone. But if you remember it, what is in our spirit, which is 
this is to be released into our soul, so our mind, our will and our emotions, and then it is to flow into our body. But the only way that this can happen, and I want us to hear this today, the only way that what is in our spirit can be released into our soul and body is if our soul comes into alignment with our spirit. Naturally, our soul aligns with the body, the natural realm, what we can see, what we can feel, what we can touch. But God's intention is that our soul, so our mind, our will and emotions would come into agreement and alignment with the spiritual realm. Now, many of us are actually familiar with this process and it is known in the New Testament as the renewal of our mind. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. In the original Greek, this word approve is dokimatso. I really hope I pronounced that right. But it means demonstration, to be able to demonstrate in our life God's will. What Paul is saying to the church in Rome and what he is saying to us today is that when we renew our mind, we will not only know what the will of God is, but we will be able to see it demonstrated in our life. We will be able to tangibly experience it. I don't know about you, but I want to see a demonstration of God's will in my life. I want what is in my spirit to be translated and released into my soul and body. But until I learn to renew my mind, until I learn to change the way I think, I will not see it demonstrated in my life. If we truly want to see God's good and perfect will manifested in our life, then we need to change the way we think. Just as organs are a vital part of the body, so is right thinking a vital part of a life of well-being. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For a man thinks within himself, so he is. Or another way to put it is where the mind goes, we go. I can't tell you how many times I experienced this in my pregnancy. All I had to do was think of Hungry Jacks or think of McDonald's and there I was. Because where the mind goes, we go. You see, our thoughts are like a train. They will always take us somewhere. When I was 21, I moved to London and the biggest challenge of living there was the tube, their underground transit system. For whatever reason, I could not understand that map. No joke, I bought a shower curtain of the map of the tube and every day I would study it, but no matter how much I studied it, I still, it was a regular occurrence that I would end up in some location somewhere, some suburb, and I would get off the train and I'd be like, how did I end up here? And every time it was because I got on the wrong train. And I don't know where you find yourself this morning. Maybe you're asking God, how did I get here? I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed, I'm overwhelmed. Maybe you find yourself going around in circles, revisiting the same issues over and over, saying, God, how on earth am I here again? How did this even happen? And I sense so strongly today that God's wanting to show you where it all started. And it started by getting on the wrong train of thought. Can I remind you, you are a product of the thoughts that you think. If you think discouraging thoughts, you will be discouraged. If you think thoughts of condemnation, you will come under condemnation. But in the same way, if we think prosperous thoughts, if we think thoughts of encouragement and blessing and hope, that is what we're going to experience. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through hardship. 
It doesn't mean that there's not going to be challenges, but instead of living life as a victim, we will live our life as a victor. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors, but there's always a but. but. You cannot be a conqueror without a battle. The reality is why we are on this earth, we are in a war and we have an enemy. And the enemy wants to steal, kill and destroy everything that Jesus purchased for you and I on that cross. He wants to destroy the calling and the destiny that is on your life. And so he wages war, but he does not do this in the physical realm. He does this in the realm of our mind, our soul. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 5 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not with weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The enemy knows that if he can control your thoughts, he can control your life. If he can control your thoughts, then he can control your well-being. And so one of the main ways in which he attempts to control our thoughts is by setting up strongholds in our mind. This term stronghold means a prison. It's an area of our mind that is held in bondage. In today's language, we would describe it as a faulty thinking pattern based on lies and deception. This is how he wages war. Now, how many of us know though that faulty thinking patterns don't just come out of thin air? They always begin with a thought. That is why Paul says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. In other words, we need to choose what we allow to take root in our mind. If you've spoken to me recently, you've probably heard me saying that this is one of my favourite seasons I've ever been in. I absolutely love being a mum. It's brought a whole new meaning of what family looks like alongside Jackson. I love ministering. I love this community. But it doesn't mean this season has come without a battle. Over the last few months, I will get sharp, negative, evil thoughts just popping into my mind one by one. Thoughts like, your family won't last. You don't have the capacity to do what God wants. Why even pray for healing? It doesn't exist. You know what you should do? You should just drive your car off the road and crash into a wall. They are the thoughts that have been coming into my mind. And a number of weeks ago, I got so fed up. I just got in the car and I started rebuking them one by one. I said, be gone in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, get out of my mind. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit reminded me that it was not enough to just rebuke the thought. The Holy Spirit said, you need to replace the thought. You see, bad thoughts don't just go away. We have to replace them with something better. And so I replaced these lies, these evil lies with Scripture. I would say I am blessed because I worship the Lord and my family will be mighty in the land. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am His workmanship and He has prepared good works in advance for me to do. God gives healing and health to His people because by His wounds, we are healed. And as I spoke the truth out over these lies, every negative thought was destroyed. Every one of those lies were made null and void in the name of Jesus. They didn't take root in my mind. The Word of God is our weapon. It is our weapon and the truth will always combat a lie. We see this when Jesus was in the wilderness after Satan had appeared to him. In fact, some scholars say that it wasn't a physical appearance. It was a voice in the mind. But every time Satan spoke to Jesus, he would shut him down with Scripture. Satan would speak and Jesus would say, It is written. 
because Jesus said himself, we see it in the Gospel of John, that when Satan comes, there is no truth in him. He is the father of lies. This is why it is so important that we know the Word of God. This is why it is so important that we know the truth of God's Word, because if we don't know the truth, the only option is to believe the alternative. In Western society, we have more access to the Word of God than ever before. And yet my generation is the most biblically illiterate. We are also the most anxious and depressed generation according to the National Health Survey by the ABS. They are saying that we are on the brink of the worst mental health crisis in decades. I don't know about you, but I've never seen such a stronger attack on the mind, a battle for the mind than I have today. The enemy is ramping up deception. All we have to do is take a look at society to see that he is feeding a younger generation lie after lie after lie from their identity to their sexuality to their future. There are people even in this room living in oppression. You've been tormented in your mind, bound by fear and anxiety. If there was ever a time that we needed to know the Word of God, it is now. If there was ever a time that we needed to know the truth of Jesus Christ, it is now. Because it is the truth that sets us free. It is the truth that brings blessing and healing. Nothing else will. Netflix won't. Anything in the world won't. It is this that brings wholeness and well-being and truth and healing. The only way we will ever be able to truly experience the life that God has for us, walking in freedom and well-being, is if we renew our mind with what is in here. Joshua 1 verse 8 says, Keep this book of the law, which is the Word of God, always on your lips. Meditate it on day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. But meditate on it day and night. I think sometimes we shy away from this practice of meditation because of its association with Buddhism and Eastern religions. But it is actually a beautiful practice that God created. And Jesus invites us into this practice every day. The biblical um, concept of meditation is to contemplate, to reflect, to ponder and to dwell on Scripture. This can look like praying it out loud, writing it down, speaking it out. In fact, the Hebrew definition for meditation is to utter or to murmur, to speak Scripture over ourselves. So it begins to take root in our mind. And when the Word of God takes root in our mind, when it gets into our soul, which aligns with the Spirit, then it becomes a reality in our life. You know, when my friend was younger, he had dyslexia and his mum was given all of these exercises to help with his development and learning. And as she was going through these exercises, she thought, you know what? Probably the best exercise that I can do is teach my son how to meditate on the Word of God and to write it out. And so she set up a little area and she got her son, starting from Genesis, to write out the Bible word for word. It was a very big struggle at the beginning, but every night it turned into an exercise that they would do. And my friend who was a young boy at the time would write out the Word of God. And as he wrote it out, it started to sink into his mind. He started to learn what he was writing until one day his mom came into the room and noticed a difference. She noticed a change in his writing. And so she took him to an educational psychologist and sure enough, the dyslexia had completely gone. He was totally healed because the Word of God had come into his mind. His mind was renewed and what was in his spirit, the healing was released into his soul. 
When our soul comes into alignment with our spirit, the promises of God, the promises of healing and wisdom and peace and joy, they actually become a reality in our life. Another example of this is my labour. When I found out, the day I found out I was pregnant, I knew I wanted a supernatural birth. I was believing for a birth that was filled with joy and peace. And when I say joy, I mean laughing joy. But of course, as the months went on, I started to hear every horror story under the sun. I don't know if the women wanted to prepare me or scare me, but there was such an attack. There was such a mentality um, of birth that it was just this horrific experience. And I started to become anxious. And the days leading into my delivery, I was getting more and more anxious until one day I woke up and I said, you know what? If I'm going to actually have a supernatural birth filled with peace and joy, then I'm going to have to fight for it. I'm going to have to change the way I think because my mind was filled with fear and anxiety and I was going to have to renew my mind in the Word of God. And so I engaged in Scripture. I literally found every Scripture for childbirth, for peace, for strength, all of it. And I contemplated it and I reflected it and I started to bring it in to my soul. I started to renew my mind. And then I grabbed a few of the Scriptures and I made a statement. I made a declaration and I spoke it over my body. I spoke it over my little boy in the days leading up to my labour. I literally said this, I look forward to the delivery of my sweet baby boy and I laugh at the days to come. To my body, you will function perfectly during labour for I am relaxed and dwell in peace. All fear must go and stay gone for I have God and His perfect love casts out all fear. My muscles will do their job and my baby boy will safely be born into our loving arms. To my baby boy, you will move and place yourself in the perfect position for birth, just the way God intended you to. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The peace of God lives within me. And today I declare he who has done great things will bless my labour, will bless my delivery and bless the fruit of my womb. And you know what? I had an incredible birth. I absolutely loved it. Hardest thing I've ever done. May a projectile vomited all over my husband, but I was laughing in the midst of my birth and it was filled with peace and joy. You know, I truly believe it was because I intentionally meditated on Scripture. I renewed my mind in the Word of God. I wrote it down. I contemplated it. I reflected it. I spoke it out until it was a part of me. And as a result, it became a reality in my life. If we want to experience a life of well-being, if we want to see all the will of God demonstrated in our life, manifestation of blessing and peace and healing and every benefit of salvation, then we need to be intentional thinking on purpose and setting our mind on the things above. Can I invite the worship team to join me? You know, maybe you're here this morning or you're joining us online and you've never experienced this kind of healing or blessing or peace. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. You've never read the Bible. Maybe you know a little bit about Jesus, but if you were honest with yourself, you would say, you know, I don't really know who Jesus is. Can I tell you this morning, it is not an accident that you are here. It is not an accident that you are joining us online. Jesus Christ knows exactly who you are. He sees you and He loves you. And I believe it is His intention that you, each one of us, can live a life of well-being. How do I know this? Because Jesus went through to unimaginable lengths to secure our well-being. You see, Jesus left the comfort of heaven. He left the comfort 
of all that He had in a spiritual realm and He came into a natural realm. He came to this earth. He walked a sinless life all the way to the cross. And on that cross, He displayed the greatest act of love known to mankind. He took the penalty of your sin and my sin upon Himself. He was crucified. He was beaten. He was tortured. The Bible actually says this is how we know what love is, that Christ laid His life down for us. But why? Why did Jesus allow Himself to experience this kind of death? It was because in exchange for Him going to that cross, we could receive His life. We could become a new creation. He knew that three days after His death, He would resurrect from that grave, breaking the power of sin, Satan and death itself, enabling you and I, each one of us, to have an opportunity to be in relationship with God, no longer separated because of sin, because that was broken over our life, but in relationship with God, having our spirit that was once dead become alive in Christ becoming a new creation, experiencing supernatural healing and victory and blessing and above all else, an eternal life.